As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome back, everybody. It is your Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes, Sean McAdoo with you, as always, on a Thursday. And tell you what, look, we're in the month of August, and we thought, let's do something a little bit different. Because, you know, in August, news cycle's a little bit slow. Let's be honest, out of the 12 months, August is probably the quietest month with the least amount of news going on. And we thought, you know what, this is the perfect time to delve into some questions that, uh, you know, are kind of more... You know, wide-ranging, big-picture, kind of rules-based, that type of thing. So I'll tell you what we're going to do, not only for this week, but for next week. So the first two August episodes here for uh, the Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, we're going to tackle your questions. And I'll tell you what, Sean, maybe you can kind of give the listeners the premise where you came up with this idea, how you solicited these questions, because it's it's quite a range of questions we have. In fact, like we said, we probably got two episodes worth here, but maybe just fill our listeners in. How you came up with this idea? Yeah, the, the concept here is the questions that, that you have wondered but weren't either sure how to ask or, uh, you know, the, the teachers used to say there are no dumb questions. Um, <laughs> and, and I believe in that. But I know as, as hockey fans, there is a lot of stuff. This is a complicated game, complicated league. And there's stuff that maybe you just – 
don't know. Maybe at some point you just realize, like, I don't know what people mean when they refer to this, or I don't know how this rule works. And you don't really have a way to ask that question. Uh, we all just kind of talk over some of this stuff as if everybody gets it. Um, but maybe people don't. And this is something that started uh, a little bit on this show, a little bit on my other podcast, uh, occasionally in, in mailbags and that sort of thing. Every now and then somebody would ask, you know, a question and they'd always preface it with like an apology. Like, look, I'm really sorry, but I don't know what this means. Or can you please explain that? And I thought, you know what? I love answering those questions because it they're... There's no way that somebody asks a question like that is the only person wondering. There's going to be other fans out there going, you know what? Yeah, I, I don't know that either. So that's what the, the idea here is. I put the call out uh, on Twitter and a few other places and said, look, send me your dumb questions. Send me the question that you just, you know, you're almost embarrassed to ask, um, you know, and and uh, and we'll answer them. And we got an enormous response. There were... Um, just a, a ton, uh, a lot of questions showed up more than once, uh, proving the point that, uh, you know, that there were, there were more than, more than, uh, one person out there wondering about them. And some of them were very unique and some of them were very simple, but, uh, we, we sort of put together a list and we're just going to work through them over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and, and like you said, look, there are no dumb questions. I think sometimes in hockey, we're, we're a little bit guilty of being gatekeepers, right? Where if you don't understand mm -hmm. the game on the same level as me, then you're, and, and the tone we want to strike with our audience here is we don't want to talk down to you. We want to talk uh, on the same level as you and just kind of explain to you, Hey, this is why this rule is the way it is to the best of our knowledge and the best of our ability. Mm -hmm. And we're also open to uh, getting some feedback from people. If they feel like, Hey, actually, I kind of feel like this might be a, a valid uh, explanation or whatever. We love to hear from you. So like yep. you said, uh, we got a ton of questions here, Sean, like yep. a ton of them. And way, way more than we even, even to do two episodes. If you sent one in you and, and you don't hear it, uh, you know, my apologies, but I mean, we, we could do, uh, boy, we could do a few months worth with, with all of the, uh, all the ones we got. And when, you know, we may make this a, a recurring feature or, uh, or, or do, do something with it in another format. So keep the questions coming in. But, yeah, uh, I, I I almost feel like there like based on the number of questions we got, I almost feel like you know the ones we don't get to, we just build a, a regular feature like just hit 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 in, into this idea every week of hey, here's the one question, you know, whatever. Like clearly, maybe, this yeah. is a this is an under my you know utilized uh, area here that 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 hockey uh, and and I gotta tell you the. Part of the reason I like this concept is, look, I, I we want to be welcoming to new fans. Uh, you know, the, the, it, the, it is a tough sport sometimes to figure out when you're new to it, and, and we're not always the most welcoming. But I got to say, my favorite questions were the ones that I got from people who would preface it by saying, like, I've been a fan for 20 years, 30 <laughs> yeah. years, 40 years, and I have never understood this. You know, can you please explain it to me? Uh, you know, I, uh, I love that stuff. And so... Uh, yeah, hopefully there'll be something in here even for the even for the old timers. Okay, so let let's start. And and like you said, one uh, there's a handful of questions where it came up repeatedly. In fact, one here. Um, I'll read a couple of the questions. Uh, it's the same tone, and and the idea is, can somebody please explain how offsetting penalties work? I'll read a couple of here. Uh, a couple of them here. Aaron writes in. How do referees decide if penalties are matching minors and if it's going to be five on five or four on four? I'm always confused. 
Uh, Anonymous writes in, please, please address the offsetting penalties things. I watch a ton of hockey. I'm still surprised how many times uh, guys end up on the ice after a bunch of simultaneous calls. And Andy says, um, I've just seen it so many times. It's five on five. I've also seen uh, situations where I thought it would be five on five. And then it's four on four. Can you please explain how offsetting penalties work? So what do we got for the listeners here? This this was one of the two questions that came up over and over and over again. And it's the, the good news is it's a relatively simple answer. So before we get to that, the, the history here is, uh, and, and if, if you've been a fan for a long time, this might add to the confusion, is that the, the NHL has changed the rules on this a few times. Um, you know, it, it used to be that uh, two guys got a minor, it was four on four, and then they changed it. And it's, you know, that that's a change that's attributed sometimes to different teams, different powerhouse teams. The Montreal Canadiens were too good or the Oilers were too good, um, too deadly at four on four. And so for a while, it was always five on five. And then they went back to um, to what we have now, which is the concept of um, uh, offsetting minor penalties um, resulting in four on four. Uh, but it's confusing because it doesn't always happen. Or sometimes you see, you know, a situation you think, okay, that this is how it's going to play out. Let me let me first tell you that there is an entire big long section of the rule book that handles all of the possible scenarios. Like if you've ever wondered about a really obscure, like what happens if this guy gets a double minor and his teammate gets a major, and at the same time a guy on the other team gets a misconduct and a single minor, how does that play out? Every scenario is listed in the rule book. And if you ever, if you're having trouble sleeping and you want to go through that section, uh, it's, it's, it's all there. But as far as why is it sometimes four and four and why is it sometimes five and five? The simple answer is if there are, if there is a minor penalty called on each team and there are no other penalties currently on the board, that's the situation where you get four on four. So, you know, offsetting roughing minors, you know, at the opening faceoff. We will play four on four. Anything else, those offsetting penalties do not change the number of of players on the ice. So basically, the the rule of thumb is if there's no other penalties on the board and you get two minors, one on each side, that gets you to four on four. Anything else, you will see the the penalties still get called, of course, but they they offset and they do not result then in, uh, in, in teams being shorthanded teams having somebody off the ice um any major penalties that are offsetting fighting is is never results in four on four it, it always stays five on five if there's already a minor on the board you don't go from five on four five uh on four to four on three for example um if there is already one set of offsetting penalties and you're playing four on four another one doesn't bring you down to three on three it's only the situation where those are the the first two penalties go up on the board that you get to four on four there you go and i and i think that's a you know, the easiest way to um, describe it or, or explain offsetting penalties. Because you're right, though, like for sure, like there's certainly certainly people would look up and see, oh, two guys just fought. Mm-hmm. Those are offsetting penalties, five minutes each. Well, why aren't we playing four? Would you, by the way, would you be in favor of that? For example, in, in a situation where there's offsetting fighting majors, would you like to see four on four for the full five I, minutes? You know, that... That might be fun. Uh, I I kind of yeah. like anything that gets us more four on four. Um, it, it wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have worked so well back in the day, back in the eighties and nineties. We we would have been uh, uh, we would have been playing big chunks of the game with uh, 
Uh, I don't know if we would have seen five on five very much at all, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it. Yeah, it, I'd be open to that change. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I would be too. Like, like, like I said, anything to open up the game, make it a little bit better, um, you know, uh, potentially create more space and offense. Uh, I'm, I'm on board for that. Now, I got another question that kind of follows along those lines, and I apologize if it, if I mispronounce the name. Uh, Prane, P R A N A Y, Prane has written in with a question, and this kind of follows right up off of what we're talking about. And Prane asks, one thing I've always been curious about. What happens when five-minute major fighting penalties end? The broadcasts rarely show those players coming back onto the ice. And they certainly couldn't come out if the teams are playing five-on-five because that means each team would have six skaters aside. I've always been so confused by this. That is from Prenet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's a good point because this is another one of those things. We don't show it. We just kind of assume that everybody knows. But yeah, any penalty... Uh, like that, that does not change who, uh, the, the number of guys on the ice. So offsetting majors, any offsetting minors in the situations we just described, anything like that, the player stays in the penalty box until the next stoppage, at which point they, they come out. And a lot of times, you know, that might be during a commercial break or something like that, which is why you don't see it, or they're too busy showing the replay of the last thing. Um, they, they, they just kind of sneak off the ice and, and usually go, uh, right to the bench. But yeah, it is, uh, it, it is, it, so you get a five minute uh, fighting major penalty and you get sent to the penalty box for five minutes. You're actually going to be there longer than five minutes in, in almost every case um, because the, uh, you're going to sit there until the next stoppage. And if that, you know, if there's five minutes of extra time on the end, then that's, that's it. You just sit there. And that's also the reason, by the way, that uh, you will sometimes see when a player gets a penalty, you know, especially if it's a major, if it's near the end of the, uh, period. Sometimes you'll see them go straight to the dressing room. If they're offsetting and they know there's no way that the, the penalty is going to end before the end of the period, they don't have to go to the penalty box. They can just go and uh, uh, go straight to the dressing room, which is usually what they do. And again, if we were, if they went to our rule, which is, uh, hey, what if we went four on four during a after a fight? Well, then those guys mm-hmm. could come back on right when yep. uh, yeah. Penalty expires. You, usually the only time you get to see them come out of the box is if they've been uh, chirping each other so much that it looks like there there might be some action right on, on the way out. And then sometimes the camera will follow them. But um, no, yeah, that's uh, other than that, they just uh, they just sneak on out and uh, get back to the bench. The uh, the chirping inside the box is great. I'm just wondering, though, off the top of your head, because I can't remember an instance. Can you remember two guys getting into a fight, going to their respective penalty boxes? chirping each other, you know, kind of over the uh, off-ice officials and, you know, threatening each mm-hmm. other. And then the second that they come out, they fight again? They, have yeah, you seen I, that? I, I have seen that uh, when it's two guys in the box for roughing. So it, it's the situation where it's four on four and they're coming out during the play. I have seen that where, where you know, two guys chirp and they basically say, as soon as we get out and they step right out of the penalty box and drop the gloves. You don't see it in the other situations because if you fight – during a stoppage in play, that's automatic ejections and suspensions and everything come into it. That's also, by the way, why you see that ridiculous thing where guys wait until the puck is dropped and then immediately drop their gloves. It's because they are waiting for the the play to be on um, because they get it automatically ejected. If you if you get into a fight uh, between stoppages, um, then that's and, and and that's because that was how. It, some of these brawls used to start and, you know, if it, especially if it's during a line change and you got extra guys on the ice, they, they don't want any of that. So 
Um, no, you wouldn't see it for uh, for two guys getting in a, a full-on fight, fighting again right out of the box. But sometimes you will see them, you know, they, they both go to their wings and, and it's, it's round two uh, as soon as the puck drops. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, I, I didn't intend for this to be like as I sort of curate all of the questions. I didn't intend for this to be a penalty themed uh episode but clearly mm-hmm. there's a lot of questions about penalties be it fighting and offsetting penalties I'll tell you what i'll just get to keep the theme going here all right uh, with, with some penalty questions nathaniel writes in uh can you explain the instigator penalty a little bit more in detail it always seems to me that it's quite arbitrary when the refs decide to hand one out or not hand one out after a fight is there something i'm missing when it comes to instigator penalties that's from nathaniel yeah not, not necessarily it, it is uh, it's very discretionary, and I would agree that it's fairly inconsistent how it gets handed out. The the one thing that I would say for the instigator penalty that some people miss, and I've heard I've heard announcers get tripped up on this one, um, is you cannot have an instigator penalty without fighting majors. There there is by definition instigating has to be a fight. So sometimes you'll see you know a guy will come in and you know he'll be start the he's the guy starting the trouble and it ends up with roughing minors and they say oh you know should there have been an instigator it, it's there it is not possible to give an instigator penalty on something where it's roughing now you could give him an extra two minutes for sure you could give him an extra roughing and, and refs will do that but an instigator needs there to be a fight um and uh other than that it is really kind of the official's discretion and they, you know, back back in the day when the instigator was first introduced, there was a time where they were they were really calling it on on most fights. I mean, whoever's gloves hit the ice first, even if it was by half a second, they were getting a, a extra two minutes as an instigator. You don't really see that anymore these days. It, it really has to be somebody jumping someone. E- even when you see these these hits after, or sorry, these fights that start after hits, where a guy will throw. In a lot of cases, a clean hit, someone else comes across and challenges them. And even though it's, it's very obvious who's starting the fight there, generally speaking, as long as they both drop the gloves at the same time, roughly, um, then the, the officials uh, don't don't really call the instigator. They don't seem to like to call the instigator. Um, uh, and uh, and so it's it's only as a last resort. So, yeah, it, it's it's inconsistent, but it can only ever be called when there is a fight. You know, as as I look at it, and I'm using um, it's a website, Icy Data, and they kind of keep track of penalties. Uh, boy, I I'm having a hard time. Like, I think if this data is correct, 
that there might have only been in the neighborhood of 15 instigator calls in wow. the last season of the like in the 2021 season, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if that means 2021, 22, or 2021. But anyway, that, that gives you an idea that it's pretty rare to see the instigator penalty called. Yeah, uh, it, it's it it really is rare. And and look, I mean that there, there's this this was a rule that came in in the you know late 80s, early 90s when there was a lot of fighting in the NHL. Every team had three enforcers, and that's not the league anymore. I mean, fighting has dropped drastically. Um, so you would expect the instigator to drop too, and you could argue that the rule has done what it was intended to do, which has made it, you know, so that uh, you don't get guys getting pulled into fights they don't want to be in. Um, and so, it, you know, maybe it should be rare. But yeah, you, you you really don't see it anymore unless it's a real obvious. And, and the other thing is, a lot of times if some guy, somebody does jump somebody else, it doesn't turn into a fight. You know, they throw a few punches, the guy might turtle, and then very often um, the official will just give give one guy a major, give one guy a double minor, something like that. So, you know, you, you do still get the power play very often, but they, they don't seem to like to actually call an instigator penalty. Right. And, and it's, again, like I said, it seems to be very rare that they, uh, that they call that. All right. Staying with that penalty theme. This is another one here. This is uh, from Jason. I've been watching hockey since the 1980s and I realized something very recently. I have no idea what the, or how it's determined which player is sent to the penalty box when there's a too many men on the ice penalty infraction or any bench minor? Is there a designated fall guy? Whoever's in the coach's doghouse that week, is the criteria the same for every team? I have so many questions. That's from Jason A. And like you said, you love it when somebody who's been watching the game for decades, mm-hmm. like Jason, since the 80s, since the time you and I were watching the game, uh, that still is unclear about something. So Jason's wondering, let's say a team gets too many men and by the way, it, it, every team is convinced, every fan base is convinced that their team yeah. takes more too many men on the ice calls than any other team, right? I'm right on yeah, that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's one of those universal. Yeah. yeah. Again. We're, oh my God, where are they going to get another one, it? man. There was another one just four months ago, and we got yeah. another one? Yeah. Yeah. So how does that, uh, how does that work? Jason wants to know. Yeah, uh, and he's he's pretty much guessed it right. It's, uh, it, it is completely the coach's discretion. Um, so yeah, it usually is, uh, it might be somebody who's in a doghouse, uh, but it, this is one of those penalties there where, uh, it's the coach's discretion and it can be anybody. It doesn't even have to be one of the six guys on the ice. There are situations where the guy who serves the penalty has to be somebody who was on the ice at the time, but this, this is not one of them. It's, uh, it can be anyone. And typically what coaches will do is they will put a guy in there who is not a penalty killer. Uh, you know, that that's kind of your obvious criteria is somebody that you, um, you you're not going to need to kill the penalty that you've just taken. Um, it used to be that a lot of times they would put an offensive player in there, um, put a guy out there who um, didn't kill penalties. But like, the, you know, Phil Kessel was the classic guy that you would put. In. Right. They weren't ever using him to kill penalties. But it, it, it the view was that, you know what, if we get uh when he comes out of the box, we he can be a dangerous player, and sometimes you'll see teams they'll get a breakaway right out of the penalty box, and so you wanted an offensive player in there who could take advantage of that. It seems like it, there's been a little bit less of that, and and I think part of the thinking there is you don't necessarily want a star player going in because you're 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 committing him to be in there for two minutes, but if the other team takes a penalty and now you're playing four on four for ninety seconds or something, you don't have your 
your best guy out there. And, and, and that is one element of it is you put a guy in the box. Once he's in there, he has to serve the entire penalty. You can't swap it out. You can't go, okay, wait a second. We're back to four on four. We want Phil back out uh, for this. Once a guy goes in, he does go in. One other interesting thing that I'll just throw out there um, that, that a lot of fans don't know. You don't actually have to put a guy in the box. Um, you're going to play shorthanded, but you don't need to put somebody in the penalty box um, if you don't want to. You could decline to put someone in there. For example, let's say you take a five-minute major. Okay, Somebody takes five-minute major. They get kicked out of the game. You need somebody to serve that penalty. Well, you actually don't have to put somebody in the box for the whole time. However, if you don't have somebody in the box when that penalty ends, there's nobody to come out of the penalty box. And then you're screwed. And, and you can't... You can't have the guy jump in, uh, jump off the bench or anything like that. And that has happened a very small handful of times where teams have, uh, for example, not put a guy in the penalty box to start a major. You don't want to have a guy go and go and sit there for five minutes. What, but then the play continues and it continues. They don't get a chance to put him in. And then they end up having to serve a uh, much uh, you know, extra penalty time uh, because there's nobody to come out of the box. I'm pretty sure I remember that happening to the Leafs. Uh, I think it's happened to a few other teams, but yeah, you don't actually have to put a guy. You could say, no, you know what? We'll wait. We'll do it uh, later in the penalty. But if you, if you uh, gamble and lose, uh, you can end up killing more than a two minute penalty. All right. Yeah, a couple of quick thought, follow-ups on that. Too many men on the ice thing. First of all, do you remember years ago? And I don't remember who the penguins were playing. All I remember is that Gary Roberts was the guy serving the penalty and he's yep. in the penalty box. And the, it must have been Fox Sports at the time was like the, the the Penguins local broadcaster. And Roberts is in the penalty box serving the too many men on the ice call. And the screen on the TV says, Gary Roberts, two minutes. And it says, too much man. Too much man. Yeah. Do you remember absolute, that? Absolute. Yeah. Cla- oh, yeah. Absolutely yeah. remember it. Yeah, and okay. yeah. one of the too funniest things, you know, I, and I don't know what, you know, I, I I guess somebody just you know, typed it in wrong. Maybe it, it feels like one of those, like a Google translate for too many men. But the, the fact that it was Gary Roberts was just, uh, a, you know, so, so funny. And I'm sure every Senators fan was watching that going. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's accurate. That's about yeah, right. He's too, he's too much man for us. Uh, and, and the other part I have on the, uh, you know, too many men. And you said, Hey, look, it's the coach's decision. He can pick any of the skaters on his team. You know, what would be a fun plot twist. What if the other team gets to choose who goes in the penalty Ooh. box for you? That'd yeah. be fun. I, I know Boy, it's probably take- too much like the XFL. Like that would be like the XFL rule that they yeah. would have. But wouldn't that be fun? Like that would be all right. You would, yeah. you would take the other team's best penalty killing defenseman, wouldn't you? Like that would probably be the. Probably. Yeah. Or, or, you know, if there was, you know, like a Patrice Bergeron Selkie level guy, you, you might get him too. But uh, yeah, no, that would, uh, that would be a good one too. Yeah. No, I'd love to see that. All right. Uh, moving along, again, we have more um, kind of penalty-related stuff. This one's from Kevin. Kevin wants to know, what distinguishes a delayed penalty from a normal penalty? Do certain kinds of penalties qualify to be called delayed? And what is to stop an official from just simply stopping the play, blowing the whistle the moment an infraction occurs? That's from Kevin Y. Wanting to know about delayed penalties and blowing the whistle right away. Yeah, so uh, it is, uh, it's based on possession. Basically, if my team commits a penalty, they will not blow the whistle until my team possesses the puck. Now, so that's why, you you know, very often you will see it blown dead right away. My team has the puck, whistle blows, um, 
because we've we've committed a penalty. But the thinking is that if the other team has possession, you don't want to penalize, you know, they, they haven't done anything wrong. So they shouldn't lose their possession. They could be in the middle of a scoring chance, especially in the defensive zone. You know, imagine if, um, you know, cross-checking a guy in front of your goalie immediately ended the play, even if the other team was was throwing it around. That would, um, that would be unfair and uh, would probably incentivize some bad behavior. So um, the way it works is if the team that does not have possession of the puck commits a penalty, the arm goes up. But that's the delayed penalty situation. And from there, it comes down to the other team has to not touch the puck. You know, simply having, you know, having the puck deflect off a skate or something isn't, uh, is not going to blow the play dead. They have to have possession. Now, your next question is going to be, okay, Sean, explain possession. Uh, I can't because it's not actually in the rule book. The, The rules are very vague on what actually is possession. But the way that this typically works is, it, the, the team has to do something intentionally with the puck, get a stick on it and, you know, move it, uh, shoot it, uh, do something like that. Um, but just having it's it's not about, you know, the, the, oh, the puck touched him or, you know, the puck ticked off his stick. That's not enough. Um, but any sort of intentional possession uh, will result in a whistleblowing. And that's why teams can pull their goaltender, get the extra attacker in those situations, because they know the other team is not going to have the opportunity to shoot the puck towards their net. Uh, so the risk is is very very low. So they they sneak the extra player on. You know, I, this, if a team scores on a delayed penalty, um, I think you should still get the power play. Like I I, I I've never understood that. It, it, like I don't understand why they just wipe the penalty off the 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 minor penalty off the map. Like the guy got high sticked or the guy got cross checked or like that that mm-hmm. I don't understand why that gets taken away. Like to me. You're not getting a power play. You're you're pulling your goalie, so you're, yep. you're it's not really a power play. You're still having six players on the ice. Uh, I'd like to see that amended. To be honest with you, yeah, that, and that one that comes up from time to time. Uh, people will will either ask about that or suggest that that be changed for the reason you just you, you just described the argument in favor of doing it, which is you know you you haven't had a power play. You pulled your goalie, but you didn't have a power play, and uh, and so why negate the penalty? The counter to that would be that when we give a penalty, when we give a minor penalty, we know when a team scores on a minor penalty that uh, the pe- the rest of the penalty is negated. Basically, your a minor penalty is meant to give the team a chance to score one goal. You know that's your make good. You're getting a shot at one goal, uh, and that if we allowed a team to score on the delay penalty and then get the penalty and the score again, well, you know now you're given two goals for one minor infraction. Um, I, I, that's the thinking behind not doing it, but yeah, you absolutely could, um, amend that rule. And, uh, for the, for the reason you described. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A couple of other real penalty questions. And I'll be honest, this one here is one that I've often thought of and would love an answer to. Dave writes in and says, when referees call an uh, an embellishment penalty, why do they always 
also called the penalty that the embellisher was trying to draw. By calling the embellishment, doesn't that mean by definition there wasn't really a penalty, just somebody trying to draw one? It never makes sense to me. That's from Dave. I got to agree with Dave. Like so many times you see it, right? You're like, man, that guy dove. And then all of a sudden the referee's like, all right, you're both going off. You for tripping, you for for embellishing uh, Mm -hmm. or diving, however you want to phrase it. And it almost seems counterintuitive. It's like uh, if you if you dove, doesn't that mean there wasn't a penalty? So what's our what's our best way of explaining this one? So the way the rule is, keep in mind that the rule is embellishment. It's not the rule is not faking or something like that. It's embellishment. So in theory, you could absolutely have a legitimate penalty committed and have the person on the receiving end embellish that penalty. You know, like you could you could have a cross check to the back that is a penalty and should be called. And also the guy throws himself down on the ice, you know, the hands go up in the air, anything like that. And, and you know, by the same token, a, a slash, pretty much anything um, with the exception, maybe a trip. You could argue that, hey, if, I mean, if you're tripped or you're not, but any penalty and, and the explanation from a referee would be, hey, I saw the original penalty. I was going to call it, but then he embellished. So I had to get him to. Now, that's why, you know, that makes sense for why you will sometimes see that. Does it explain why it almost always gets called that way? No, uh, not at all. And, and look, the, the honest answer, let's, let's be real here. They're doing it because the refs are just intentionally evening it up because they are. It, it, the, the one tough thing about embellishment is every now and then you get a guy who didn't really embellish. And now, boy, if you, you know, you, you really look like a fool if you get the one guy when you should have got the other one. So they kind of even it up. And that way, they're still punishing the guy for the embellishment, but um, they're not uh, they're they're not punishing quite as much. I don't like it. I think that if I was director of officiating, I'd go to my officials and say, "Hey, we we expect to see the offsetting embellishment sometimes, but not very often. You should be calling one or the other." Um, but they don't do it very much. And the other thing that 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 drives me crazy is sometimes you'll see you know you see the first foul, you see the cross check. And you look and you see the, the ref's arm is not up, but then the guy goes and sells it. And suddenly now he's calling both of them. And now you're going, hey, you weren't going to call that first penalty. You know, you didn't you didn't have your arm up. That wasn't going to be a call. You're just calling the guy because he embellished um, and you don't want to give the guy just two minutes on his own. I I, I absolutely, you know, it, it makes sense. I, every now and then you see people say embellishment should automatically negate whatever the penalty was. Well, let, let's not go crazy on that. I, I do think there should be scenarios where you can get both. Um, but it sh- certainly shouldn't be, you know, it feels like it's 90% of the time. And that's, uh, th- th- there's there's no good reason to do it that way. You know, w- w- with diving and embellishing, I, maybe you can refresh my memory and tell me if this actually happened or if it was just an idea. It was probably, I know it was after the lockout. So it was somewhere maybe around 2010, 2011, 12, but do you remember there was a movement at one point from like some players and coaches that they wanted a list of divers slash embellishers to be posted inside mm-hmm. the locker room of every team that like like if you got yep. nailed for embellishing more than once, your name was going to be like on a list. Yep. And they're going to circulate like a list of po- shame. Yeah. But but did they ever follow through with that? I think they did. Yeah. No, I think that that list was out there. And, and I don't um, remember that. I, I remember and, them talking about it because I remember players being mad about it. You know, like. Brian McCabe would, you know, be all mad one day. And he's, oh, I just, my name was on the list. And, you know, of course, 
nobody ever thinks they embellished. Um, you know, nobody ever thinks they dive. Nobody thinks anyone on their team dives. Um, that's part of what makes it such a tricky penalty to call. But um, yeah, there, there was kind of a name and shame movement. And we still have a remnant of that because there's there are fines, um, but the fines uh, only kick in like after the after the first one. So you get, uh, you know, you can get a warning that is kept private. But then when you see somebody get fined for for diving, that means that it's uh, they've, they've done it multiple times and, and been nailed by the league for it. And I'm all for that, by the way. Like, absolutely. I, I hate I hate diving. I hate embellishing. I hate when people fake. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and I, I hate when people defend it. Every now and then you see somebody do it and they'll go, oh, that's that's good gamesmanship. That's a veteran move by that guy to sell it. And I can't stand it. Uh, I and 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 I absolutely am all in favor. Another thing, when I'm the director of officiating, I'm going to tell my referees, you guys talk to each other about who the divers and fakers are. And I have and you go ahead and call the games based on, you know, if, the, if you know this guy's a faker, if it's a 50 50 call, don't call it. Let him. You know what? Let half these guys are diving, you know, in a five one game with four minutes left and they're trying to call it. OK, good. You got your two minutes. You embarrass the referee. Maybe you're not going to get the next one. I have no problem at all with that. People would say that's the refs being vindictive or whatever. I would absolutely encourage them to do it because I can't stand when I see guys getting away with that. Yeah, it's funny because when when you think of embellishment, the number one that you think thing you think of is a guy maybe skating through the neutral zone, a defenseman or a defensive player kind of has a stick out and he dives, right? Mm-hmm. You know the one that is sneaky, probably almost as often happens almost as often, is a guy whipping his head back the on head a high snap. stick. Yep. Hey, yeah, I'm a Leafs uh, fan. Uh, you don't have to tell me about the, yeah, we, you know, we got burned on that in the, in the Tampa year. series, right? That's absolutely. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, uh, you That's know, the and one. yeah, and it, and it works up because I mean, geez, it, it's so, and it puts the referee in such a terrible situation. I mean, we all complain about the refs all the time. We give them such a hard time. That's an awful situation when everybody sees the head snap back. And now you got to sit there and go, you know, geez, if I don't call it, you know, if he did get hit and I'm not calling it, boy, I'm going to, I'm going to look terrible. No, I, I can't stand it. Um, and uh, I, I absolutely would. Uh, I'm, I'm and and some of it is. It, it, it can't be the ref it, it calling every single one of them, because, I mean, you're you're doing it to fool the ref. It's the league stepping in and hitting these guys with fines. And I'd like to see the fines be bigger and I'd like to see it be a public list. And let's show us the exact moment and let's all point and laugh at at this guy and, you know, look at him faking it like that. Um, and, you know, they, again, everybody's always innocent, right? They'd say, well, no, no, it's, I saw him, you know, his stick was coming towards me. So I flinched back to, to you know, to avoid it. That's, that's right. what it was. No, it's not. And, and I'll give you one more good tip, by the way, this is, you know, for newer fans, or if you're ever kind of wondering like, how, you know, uh, how can you tell if somebody is, is diving or if they're legitimate? Somebody told me this once and it really changed how I watch this stuff. Watch their hands. Watch the hands on their way down. When somebody is unexpectedly knocked down, like, you know, so when you're legitimately tripped, knocked down, your instinct, you can't control. It's not, a, it's not something you do on purpose, but your instinct is your hands go down to break your fall. When you know you're going to fall, when you're, you know, and you're faking it, the hands go up because you're, you're selling it. You're trying to make yourself big and, you know, you're trying to make it look dramatic. If you see the hands go up, it's almost always a dive. You see the hands go down to break the fall. Very often, it's it's uh, legitimate. There you go. That's a good tip. I never I've never heard that one, but that totally this is makes part sense. of my this is part one of my my sneaky rules. I want to get in there is I just want to make it illegal for any player to raise their hand above their uh, to raise their hand for anything 
Because the only time people's hands go up, you know, uh, without a stick in it, it's uh, diving, it's trying to call a penalty, or you know, or offset, yeah. or when the when the puck gets shot out and everybody starts waving their hand around, oh ref, ref, I make that all a penalty. I would love to see, you know, you just get all of them. Yeah, they they shot the puck in, but you guys just picked up five minors because your entire everybody on the ice all tried to call the penalty Pointing. for me. Yeah, that's right. All right, let, let, you know, listen, let's wrap up this uh, this episode of the podcast uh, again, where we're taking your questions on, uh, you know, kind of silly questions or questions that you were kind of afraid to ask. Ended up doing an entire penalty theme here. And uh, we got one more from Kevin. <clears throat> Kevin wants to know, why is the penalty for goalie interference never applied after a goal is waved off or even overturned on video review for, wait for it, goalie interference? That's from Kevin. So what's Kevin saying is, let's say uh, mm-hmm. Chicago scores a goal against Minnesota. And it's Patrick Kane. And it turns out when they go to video review, they realize, ah, you know what? Patrick Kane was in the blue paint and he kind of bumped Marc-Andre Fleury. Guess what? Upon further review, it's no goal. Kevin's question is, why isn't Patrick Kane nailed then two minutes for goalie interference? Why do we never see that applied? Fantastic question. Fantastic question by Kevin. this, This absolutely has to be confusing a lot of people because we have a penalty in the rule book for goaltender interference. And yet, when you see a goal waved off and they say no goal because of goaltender interference, and you're like, well, where's the penalty then? Um, And and this is a nice one because there is a simple answer. And the simple answer is that goaltender interference, the penalty, is only for intentional interference with the goaltender. Um, It it is uh, any kind of incidental contact, anything like that, should never be a minor penalty. Um, Whereas incidental contact can negate a goal basically if you accidentally bump a goalie you any goal that's scored is not going to count but other than that you you keep playing um so the reason that you almost never see the penalty called when the goal is negated um is is simply that they are saying it was incidental unintentional contact um that uh that resulted in in the uh the goal being scored so we take the goal off the board but we don't put anyone in the penalty box unless we believe it was intentional interference, in which case that's two minutes um, right there. Excellent. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great question because you, you see it all the time. Like, yeah, all the time. Goalie, goalie interference, as it, it really is two different things with the same name, which is very confusing. But goaltender interference, a minor penalty has to be intentional. Goaltender interference, accidental can take a goal off the board, but it doesn't get you the two minutes. Well, I'll tell you what, like I said, uh, we, we got two weeks worth of questions. So we figured we'd handle all the penalty related questions in this Thursday's episode next week. Uh, boy, we got a whole bunch of questions that have less to do with penalties, more to do, uh, you know, some, some kind of cap related questions, roster related questions, uh, you know, left-handed, right-handed stuff, like all, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of things. So we're going to get to those next week. And we just want to thank everybody, uh, for, for submitting their questions. Uh, if you got any feedback from this one, we'd love to hear from you. 845-445-8459. That's how you can leave us a voicemail. Or got any follow-up questions from what you heard? You can always email us theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. Theathletichockeyshow at gmail.com. If you're not a subscriber with us, you can join us at theathletic.com slash hockey show. Get an annual subscription for a dollar a month for the first six months. You can also subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Get all of our bonus content from our entire library. You're going to start with a 
30-day free trial, and that is just 99 cents a month after that.